Welcome to UC Today with me, David Dungay. Today I have with me Andre Jelenko, CEO of Porter One. Welcome to the show, Andre. How are you today? Hi, um, very good. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, today we're going to be talking about uh, the build versus buy dilemma a lot of cloud service providers find themselves in right now. But um, before we get into that, Andre, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the business? We at Porta One help telecom operators to launch new services faster or streamline their existing operations. We supply for that open architecture BSS and cloud PBX platform. Fantastic. Well, um, let's get straight into this question, this build versus buy question. Uh, but let's let's outline, you know, what that is. Uh, can you tell us, you know, what is the situation with build versus buy? What is that, and why are so many service providers sort of slash operators struggling with this question? I think it's a natural human tendency. Once we get something, we looking for ways to make it better, improve it, or customize it for our own purposes. The same thing for operators and something which has been around for ages. It's always, do you buy a system from a vendor which is supposed to satisfy your requirements, but it never does satisfy all of them? Or the alternative is, do we create something from scratch? And there are many stories how that went as a stone soup fairy tale goes. It was way out of the budget and way too late. And uh, delivered pretty much the same functionality as initially could have been purchased. Fantastic. So, I mean, we are seeing a lot of uh, solutions out on the in the telecoms market already. I mean, do do operators do they still need to to build things themselves? Um, you know, maybe maybe are there enough uh, solutions out there already uh, for for people to to use and get hold of? I think now that is even more pressing need than ever, because if everybody is selling pretty much the same thing, you get a solution from a vendor, you put your brand name of it, put a price tag, how are you different from the guy next door? And we have a privilege of observing several hundreds of telecom operators across 90 different countries, and we can see how it is changing. For some of them, we can see their growth stopping or even dwindling down, and others are growing up significantly. And that depends on how well designed their product offer is. And can they create something which suits the needs of their particular market niche? So yes, uh, it's very important right now for telco survival to create something which makes them better for the consumer than somebody else, or makes them also more attractive than consumer trying to create their own ad hoc solution. Andre, so tell, tell me, um, you know, if, if an operator does decide to build, you know, their products in-house, you know, where should they really be concentrating, concentrating their efforts to maximize their ROI? It's very important to focus the efforts because I'm a software engineer myself and I know this urge to do things better. And uh, if you give a freedom of choice for a software developer, they will start redeveloping from scratch from operating system, right? And 
obviously an operator, they don't have capacity, they don't have capabilities, and they should not compete with software vendors delivering, creating a specific product. They probably would never have big enough team and ability to do it properly. So instead, they should think, okay, which components are already there? Can we take them and can we combine them into a vertical solution, meaning starting from something which relates to low-level network infrastructure, going into application processing, into data analytics, and then package it to something which makes sense for the end user, something they are actually willing to pay for. One of our customers, they started eight years ago with the smallest possible system we were ever selling. And they grew to have an operating two of the largest configurations in both US and UK. And what we did, they said, we're not going to be selling telephony because everybody sells telephony. We're going to be selling a productivity package within CRM. So we're selling, obviously, phone calls at the very bottom. But then it was CRM, integrations, analytics, packaged into something which makes sense for a business owner. And they did it with about 20 CRMs, and they plan to do with 50 or 100 more. And that's the secret of the growth. So think about what is that combination where is the value for the end user that they're willing to pay for? Yeah. So, I mean, these but cloud solutions, um, now what impact is this going to have on that partner ecosystem beneath? You know, a lot of partners, uh, that's where they derive um, quite a lot of their value you know, from, from verticalizing or specializing, you know, what, what is that impact uh, on, on that ecosystem? For channel partner partners, ideally this should be like a template or a blueprint. They can take, they can make some adjustments and they can start silence. We don't have to be reinvented in every single situation. And uh, for technology partners, also, it should give them a bit of relaxation from doing a lot of this customization and development for individual telcos. And again, as a software vendor with 20 years of experience, I know how everybody hates it. But so far, there was no way out of it. Telcos, they don't like this professional services customizations because they know it's probably going to be a bit slow and uh, more than they are willing to pay. Vendors, they don't like it because it takes out their focus on their pro product roadmap, but they have to divert resources to make this customer project successful. So now the idea is if vendors make efforts, if we provide APIs and open architecture, we even provide source code, but to give ability for somebody to create these building blocks, which then are easier to put together and apply in real practice. Recently, we launched uh, a Don Mart initiative, and that's the idea a vendor which develops some nice application, CRM integration, video conference, and anything. They can package it as a container, and then any telco can deploy it in a cloud with just a few mouse clicks, connecting to their system and again, not spending time and efforts on doing local integrations. So bringing it back to this build versus buy question, you know, what are we seeing? What are the changes we've seen more recently uh, with this situation? Few things made it more affordable and uh, 
easier to use for operators uh, around the world. First would be the proliferation of web-based APIs, open API standard. So now we don't have to deal with those proprietary thing and having developers or somebody to relearn and uh, rediscover things for every new vendor. That's a great step forward. And then we have efforts to standardize it and make it compatible even further. For instance, TM Forums initiatives uh, for their APIs, or even ETOM, it allows different vendors and different telcos actually start speaking similar language, right? And they're being able to understand each other. And uh, finally, low code, no code tools. It's a great way to empower local teams to do these critical pieces. So if you have two great products, you have Cloud PBX platform, you have a CRM platform, and you do want to put them in a single package to deliver to the consumer. Now you don't have to ask either of the vendors to do something on their side. You can do it in-house and you don't have to use the real professional developers. And we know how rare and how valuable that resource is these days. So the low code, it allows to give it work to people who have general domain expertise. They have general IT knowledge, but they're not professional developers in the sense that they don't write actual code. Okay. I do want to pick up on this uh, low code question. Um, you know, is, is low code or no code really the, um, that silver bullet, if you like, for, for those CSPs, um, you know, to go through this, you know, digital transformation uh, process? I'm old enough to remember at least five of these waves when people were saying, okay, this magic tool will make developers obsolete and everybody can write programs. Well, none of that is true. There is no silver bullet. However, right now with low code, what is different? You don't need coding knowledge. You have a lot of things simplified. So what you need is you need a person with knowledge of domain. So he or she should be able to understand what is the customer tax ID is and how it's different than customer unique ID. That is still required. And, but they don't have to spend time on messing around with protocol details and doing things. So I would compare low code. It's a productivity tool. So if you give it to a professional, they can do 10 times more work. If you give it to a novice uh, doing home repairs, they can probably do things they would not be able to do otherwise. However, if you give it to a person who is not properly understanding what needs to be done, they can do a lot of damage to a house. So uh, it's not a silver bullet, but it greatly increases the amount of work internal teams can do. Okay. I mean, it sounds like an incredibly useful tool, um, you know, to, to get these products um, used in, in the right manner, as you as you mentioned. But I mean, are there any pitfalls for using a local low, co uh, low code um, type uh, processes? I had recently a lot of experience uh, participating in various projects run by some of them was run internally, some of those were run by telcos. So Problem number one, which sometimes people don't realize, uh, 
using low code or using traditional code, it does not substitute the phase of business analysts. You need to understand what actually needs to be done and how it should be working. And uh, if you jump right into low coding, and most likely it's not going to be working correctly or you will have to spend a lot of time redoing it later on. And the second thing, as I said, uh, you don't have to be a programmer it says you don't have to need to have a degree in computer science and things like that, but certain amount of thinking about the algorithm and sequences, it's still required. And uh, sometimes people, project managers, they don't understand this and they think, okay, well, we have this resource, let's put them to work. And then the results are fundamentally different between different people. And that depends how in their minds, how they can build that structure of what needs to be done. And then if they can visualize it in their brain, then they can implement it with a low-code tool. So it still requires qualifications, training, and working with people to make sure you can understand the domain and uh, what actually is being done. And with uh, low-code getting so popular, I would say there's a lot of people who can claim they are a developer in, with low-code, but the results probably not going to be that great. So it's filtered out is going to be very important. Okay, so um, let's let's uh, talk about cloud deployments as well. Uh, you know, how how does the adoption of uh, you know clouds uh, you know change this build versus buy uh, question for for CSPs? The great thing is ability to start very fast. So right now, if a team, they need to try some new technology, they need to do some uh, experiment or proof of concept. Well, it takes a few commands uh, to launch a new Kubernetes cluster or to launch a new environment. So this initial project start project kickoff period is shortened, which is a good thing. The thing which I see a lot of people, they don't understand that okay, once the code is written, once it's deployed, then there's a phase of maintenance and getting it updated later on. And because this initial phase is so simple, sometimes people, they tend to not to think about what's going to happen in two months. So there's a initial version of an application working, but then when version 0 0.2, 0 0.3 needs to be rolled in, then the troubles start because nobody bothered to create a proper deployment scheme. Uh, nobody has the correct pipeline. And now it's all, it starts to fall apart. And there are tools which can help, but not many people are using them. And uh, also what I see right now, a lot of focus is done on DevOps that developers do the coding and DevOps do this magic thing which makes them a bottleneck, which makes them responsible for some of the human errors. They are, they are smart humans, but they're still humans. So I see in the next years, uh, a lot of development should be done about this automated deployments and deployments which will allow people to manage the versions manage the feature sets and the configuration in a safe and uh, secure manner. So cloud makes it, gives you a great 
freedom, but also with the freedom comes great responsibility. And the last thing is, and uh, there are plenty of horror stories about this, because, well, if you have a server in Iraq, the worst thing would happen if you overload it, it just starts working slowly. There are plenty of, of stories about people running way too many computing resources and receiving a huge bill from a cloud provider just because the application wasn't designed properly, wasn't monitored properly. So again, this is another thing we're still in this wild west phase of cloud exploration and a certain amount of order, observability and monitoring should be implemented before it's too late. Well, it, it may be a wild, wild west, but uh, it's a fascinating area to watch unravel anyway. So, uh, Andre, I think that's a great place to end today's discussion. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you. And I wish all the listeners, our operators, a safe and exciting journey through the cloud, through the new technologies to their new era of delivering services and making customers happier. Fantastic. And uh, thank you to all our, our viewers for watching today. If you like today's conversation, please give us a like and a share on social media. It's greatly appreciated. That's it from me. My name is David Dungay. I'll see you next time.